as was mentioned already, we are turning our attention now towards what has become known as the season of creation, celebrating God's creation. I highlighted last week that I'm more often than not just using the lectionary for our Sunday texts. There's a beauty of sharing the lectionary here in our church and with churches around the globe. It helps us to feel a sense of unity as the body of Christ. So within this cycle of learning and reading and walking through the scriptures every three years, a couple of decades ago now, really, people started to highlight that this fall, in our hemisphere at least, uh, is kind of a season of harvest and celebrating good things coming in. So people just started to talk about the wonder of God's creation. And that was something that we haven't jumped on actually for a while here, actually ever here at Creation, but in the past I have. So uh, this year, we are going to highlight some of the glory, some of the lessons, some of the things we celebrate in God, our creator. And to kick it off, I thought there's no better psalm to go to, in my opinion, at least anyways, than Psalm 104. I'm going to read a big chunk, but this isn't even the whole of Psalm 104. Our American attention spans are not what they should be, so I had to cut out a big chunk in the middle. But hear these words. From God in Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers in their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the winds the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. Jumping down to verse 24. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time. When you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created, and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He who looks to the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May the meditation May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord, but may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God. So there's the number two reason. Let's start it this way. Here's the number two reason why we're doing this series and focusing on the creation in the next couple of weeks. Number two is this. Environmental issues are one of the top concerns amongst all Americans and actually amongst all of creation, amongst Asians, Europeans, Africans, South America. Environmental concerns ranks as generally in the top three concerns of people. 
But in particular, amongst many surveys, by many standards, it's the number one concern amongst young people 25 and under. It's the number one concern for most of our young people here in our own community, which makes perfect sense when you think about young people amongst whose numbers I can't count myself anymore as I'm turning 50 next week. Woo, I know, yeah, blue, yeah shameless plug for birthday party coming up. Uh, of course, we're all concerned about the economy. Of course, we're all concerned about inflation. But young people, they got their whole life to figure that out, right? <laughs> of course, we're concerned about politics and extremism all forms now and arguments on both sides of the aisle and trying to get along and have decorum and be able to speak to issues with nuance and insight and <laughs> with civility. And of course, it's a concern for all of us as a people of faith who humbly follow Jesus Christ who himself was humble and gentle as we talked about last week. But they got all their lives to figure those things out. But what they don't maybe have all their lives to figure out is are they going to have a life here in the creation if the environmental issues persist? And so things like climate change, things like pollution, things like deforestation, these rank among some of the highest concerns for our young people. My own daughter, Karis, who gets to be here today, she is currently uh, working at an organic farm in Maui. My daughter, Karis, whom you know, is now a farmer. Who would have ever thought that my daughter, Karis, would become a farmer because she loves the creation and celebrates the creator now through her work at a farm. I just think it's the coolest thing, by the way, so I have to just brag about that. And Grace is gonna go work there too, which is gonna be awesome, so. Here's the number one reason though, because this has to be the number one reason in a worship service that celebrates God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God seems to care about his creation as well, right? <laughs> it would seem that our God, by caring enough to make the creation, to sustain the creation, to promise to return to creation, to promise to glorify himself through the creation, it would seem that our God cares a great deal about the environment as well. I didn't want this to be controversial, but it turns out this is controversial. I w something happened yesterday, and I'm going to tell you the story for what it's worth, um, then maybe I can ask for forgiveness again. I've been off of social media all the summer, it, it really off of my computer, my phone, everything. It was, it was a delight, because I was actually out enjoying creation. And then I thought, well, I'm getting back to work. I want the world to know what's happening here at, creation, uh, at Connections and kind of get the word out. So I kind of reactivated my social media account. I posted that we're gonna have this God is green. We're gonna celebrate the creator in the creation series. Uh, and then I shared the post on my Facebook page. And I kid you not, within, within one evening, I got the snarkiest, most condescending, most patronizing comment that I maybe have ever received. If you, if you like, what do they call it? Creeping Facebook pages, you, you might be able to find it still. Don't worry, I unfriended him and I'll never talk to him again. I will unfriend you and banish you from my life if you patronize me and speak condescending to me and don't engage in actual conversation with me. But I couldn't believe it. This guy who claims to be a Christian brother was making light of, was mocking this desire that we would have to celebrate God's creation, 
and to honor our role as stewards of the creation. It wasn't supposed to be controversial. It's just supposed to be who we are. We're stewards. It's who he is. He is the creator. It's what we do. We celebrate him and glory in all of his wonderful creation. Now, here's the thing then that really was that driven home to me by this little altercation uh, lately. If environmental concerns are one of the top concerns of young people, and if our God is the creator and continues to care for love, sustain, and promises redemption to his creation, well, then it turns out that young people, here's what I really want to say, young people and God might have a lot in common. Our young people and the church might have a lot of overlap of potential interest and intersection and the desire to work together. I hope that's very exciting to a church community that we would see a lot of overlap with young people and our God and the desire to come together. But if our young people see comments like what was put on my social media post, they will continue to think that maybe, maybe the church doesn't care about what we care about. Maybe even worse, maybe the church is condescending and patronizing and not just disinterested, but might actually mock the things that would matter to me. I don't wanna get angry or sound put off or things like that, but it's hard not to get emotional about it when I think about wanting the intersection of our young people and the work of the church to come together. Because as I think another layer deep theologically about this issue and about what is unfolding, it occurs to me that perhaps it might be one of the most evil and conniving schemes of the devil to set the church against our young people and to have a generation grow up thinking that the church and God and their interests and their desires and their passions not just don't intersect, but would be opposed to one another. I hope over the next four weeks, we can simply bring them together. I hope over the next four weeks that we as a body of faith can celebrate our God as creator. I hope over the next four weeks, we can simply celebrate the gift of the creation that he has given to us and as which we've just so powerfully sung and celebrated already. I hope over the next four weeks, we might actually feel a unifying, a coming together, a joining forces, so to speak, with the hopes, the desires, the dreams, the passion of our young people and the passion, the desire, the hopes and the dreams of the church to continue with a call that has gone forth from the foundation of creation, which we're going to get into and unpack very deeply, that we are called to be the stewards of God's creation. And yet I fear that streams of faith have penetrated and infiltrated churches and the thoughts of so many Christians that continue to drive us apart. I am not going to fully unpack this today. This is gonna be the teaser to come all the way to week four, but we are going to unpack a stream of American evangelicalism that quite literally, and I say this to be shocking, but because it is theologically accurate, there is a stream of belief and faith very pervasive in the church today that says, well, to hell with it all, to hell with all of creation. Let it all quite literally go to hell in a handbasket. And that is not the teaching of scripture. That is not the teaching of scripture. It is not the teaching of Jesus who teaches us to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
This is not the testimony of Jesus who has promised to come and redeem his creation. This is not the promise and the hope of all Christians that the world will not vanish, but it will be renewed, redeemed, restored, born again in the return of Jesus Christ and the new heavens and the new earth come together and we dwell forever with our Lord and Savior in the new city, the new Jerusalem, where the tree of life grows again and we eat from it for all the seasons and we feast together forever in the kingdom of God. It's the vision that Jesus gave us. And it's the vision that I think we need to reclaim as a church. It's the vision we need to reclaim as a people of faith. Because what we do in our lives, what we do with our bodies, what we do with the creation has enduring value. I heard one person put it like this. Uh, I can't quite discern where this statement originally came from, but it goes something like this. Heaven is eternally important but it's not the end of the world. Think about that. Heaven is eternally important, but it's not the end of the world. No, 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 no. God's vision for his church, for his people, for his creation is much bigger, much grander, much more glorious than letting it all just go to hell. He has been in the business of redemption and restoration and renewal. And that is the business I want us to get on to. Okay, that did kind of get like heavy and woo, all right, all right, all right. You know, and, but I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be that guy. There's so much to celebrate and glory in the gift of God's creation. So we're gonna just talk for a few minutes and I told I had to keep it a little shorter today. So we're gonna kind of keep it tight and I'm gonna have to give you some assignments at the end of the service here today. And then don't worry, we're gonna go on the next three weeks. Today, we're just gonna do a little bit of theology now and talk about God is the creator and we glory and celebrate in his creation. Where next week, we're gonna talk about, uh, we'll, we'll sound fancy, we'll talk about anthropology. What's our role? What's the human? What's the image bearer's role in the creation? Uh, week uh, three, we're gonna talk about Romans chapter eight, which you could talk for a lifetime about, but we're gonna talk about creation groaning and the creation's longing for us to be revealed as the ministers of reconciliation. And then on the fourth week, we're gonna jump all the way to the end. We're gonna start at the beginning, Genesis 1, and then we're gonna jump to Revelation 21 and 22. And we're gonna talk about that consummation of the kingdom and the redemption, the renewal of God's creation, the resurrection of our bodies and our living forever with our Lord and Savior. So that's the journey we're gonna be going on. I think it's gonna be awesome. I get excited about it. I didn't think it was gonna be controversial, but apparently I'm gonna be hated by people for talking about God, our creator, and us as stewards. So, so be it, I'll keep preaching the Bible. There you go. So <laughs> the creation story. We have a wonderful creation story given us to help us understand who created, why it was created, and what it means to be a part of the created order. Your assignment will be to read through Genesis chapter one. I'm not gonna read all of it, but I'm guessing for many of us, it is quite familiar. In the beginning, there is a beginning to creation, which means outside of that beginning, there was one without beginning. One who was alpha and omega, all things in between and all things beyond. And that being, that prime mover, 
That origin is the God we've come to know as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through the revelation of Scripture, the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But in the beginning, God, who always was and always will be, said there needs to be a beginning to the created order. And it stands unique. It stands apart. It's quite different than the other creation stories. This isn't to criticize or to critique so much other creation stories. But if you went through a Western Civ course or things like that, you know, in the Enuma Elish, uh, that, you know, Gilgamesh and Marduk are fighting and the blood is poured out and we're sort of like the spawn of the blood of the gods. It's actually an awesome story, but it's a myth. It's a tale. I don't think anybody really believes that's how it got started. There's other stories from other continents, from other cultures of the gods vomiting up the stars and the sun and the moon. I know it's gross. There's other stories of creation being a hierarchy built on the back of a fish. There's other European tales of all of creation coming from a cracked egg. There's some faith systems that talk about an endless cycle of reincarnation with no beginning and no end that sort of just sort of spins off eternally in all directions. There's other faiths that just say all of this philosophical musing about origins and creation is just a waste of time and energy. Just get on with living your life. There's all other kinds of creation stories, but our creation story stands apart because in the beginning, God. And in the beginning, God spoke. And God spoke by God's word, by God's will, by God's desire, the created order came into being. So. There's much you could say about this creation story, but here's what we could say about it today in the limited time that we have. We know who created, and, and that is God. We, we know why God created, and that would be for an expression of love and to live in communion with his image bearers. But what seems to frustrate people so deeply is there's little on the how. <laughs> We'd love to pick apart and know more about the scientific method of God's creation. But what we are given, it is by the will of God and then by the word of God that all creation comes into being. And if I might just walk you through for a few moments a story that I suspect might be, again, familiar to many of us. And if it isn't, the encouragement will be to make it familiar in this coming week and in the weeks ahead. In the beginning was nothing. And God spoke creation into existence. In the beginning, God, on day one, said, let there be light. And he called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and he said that it was good. And then there was evening, and then there was morning on the first day. And the creation story continues on. On day two, God separated the expanse so that there's the waters of the earth and then the expanse of the sky and God saw all that he had created and it was good. And on the third day, God then separated the waters and he called the waters the sea and he called the dry land the ground and it was good. And then on the fourth day, God seemed to go back and then he filled the expanse of the night and the day. He created the sun, two lights it says, the greater to govern the day, the sun, the lesser to govern the night, the moon and all the stars 
in the sky and it was good. And on the fifth day, God filled the expanse of the sky and the waters, put the birds in the air and the fish in the sea and he said it was good. And on the sixth day, God said, let the land teem with life. And he brought forth all the animals and the livestock. And then it culminates in the creation of God's image bearers, male and female, God made them. And then chapter two, which we're not going to get into, chapter two then steps back into the story and begins to pull apart for us the unique creation that is men and women, the image bearers that we are and the role that will be given to us as the stewards of all creation. But again, that's next week. Let's just hit pause on these days of creation, six days of creating. And it says that on the seventh day, God rested from all the work that God had done and he blessed the seventh day gave us a Sabbath day and the work was finished. Now, again, of the many things that we could say about this, we could certainly say that it raises more questions perhaps than gives answers. Whenever we do pause and read it and think about it, all kinds of things rise up that from a scientific point of view could be quite troublesome. How was there day and night? How were there morning and evenings before there was sun and moon and stars? That would just be the tip of the iceberg. The point doesn't seem to be a scientific explanation in the way that we would determine scientific needs to explain things, but it is abundantly clear in what it is communicating that our God created, our God affirmed and declared good his creation, and that the whole point of the creation seems to be the forming and the filling and creating that space, that, for, that creating the spaces the night and the day, the sky and the sea, the seas and the land, and filling those places with his creation, the sun and the moon and the stars, the birds and the fish, the plants and the animals and the livestock and his image bearers. God was setting the foundation for a place of communion and community and being together. And that's what sets forth and uh, what God creates for us. Now, two things, and then I will wrap it up. Two things that we could say about this and two things I'm gonna encourage you now to do over the next four weeks. Let me, let me put it this way. A saying that has been quite popular in our church and in many churches, because there's a lot of truth to meditate upon this statement, is simply to say that we are more sinful than we ever imagined, but more loved than we ever dreamed. You ever heard that one? It's a great one. That's kind of like a bonus. Don't get hung up on that one. But part of what is revealed for us in the story of salvation in Jesus Christ is we're actually more sinful, more broken, more messed up than we've even been able to imagine because all we've ever known is being sinful and broken and had troubles and been messed up. But don't worry, you are more loved by God than you've ever been able to dream. And we begin to understand that love for us through the work and the grace of Jesus Christ and we experience that gift of salvation, filling of the Holy Spirit. It, it, it's a beautiful thing. So with that in mind, let, let me put it this. When we think about the expanse and the glory and the magnitude of creation, we grasp how insignificant we really are. And yet, when we think about that all of this creation was made for us, the image bearers of God, how significant in the eyes of the creator we must be. 
Okay, I know that's kind of a deep thought. So let me just say one more word on that and we're gonna pack it up. I mean, when we think about the glories of creation, when we begin to apply some of our scientific understanding of the created order, we cannot but feel incredibly microscopic and insignificant. I was trying to get my head wrapped around the expanse of creation. And it said that if the distance um, from us to our sun was the thickness of a sheet of paper, the distance to us, to our end of our galaxy would be seven feet high. And then the distance to the next galaxy beyond the Milky Way, and I'm probably misrepresenting this, would be a stack of paper 350 miles high. When we were in Hawaii just recently, we went to the top of Mount uh, Haleakala. Am I saying that right? Hale yes, thank you. I'm saying it right. And they are in the midst of building a new telescope on the top of that mountain because it is the third best place apparently in the world to have a telescope. And with this new telescope, I went online and I Googled what they're trying to do. They actually think they might be able to see so far, so deep into the universe that they hope to see the beginning of the universe. Now, I don't even fully understand what they mean by that, but apparently if they can see the expanse of the universe and its light reflected back to us, they could gain insights into the beginnings and the origins of the universe itself. It's mind blowing to think of the expanse of God's creation in those terms. And whenever we do think about it, we can have this tendency and there's a time and a place for it to feel, oh, what am I? Oh, what am I, this insignificant microscopic little speck in the scope of all of creation. And yet then when we reflect on what God says about his creation and our place in God's creation, and we as men and women as the image bearers in all of creation, oh, how significant we must be in the eyes of the creator. And I think that's just the right balance that we should hold as a people of faith to recognize in humility our smallness and the scope of the greatness of God, and yet at the same time to recognize how significant us small little men and women are in the eyes of God who made us. Because we love the things that we make. I'm gonna call another audible. Robin, can you, can you toss me that purse? I, I noticed my wife uh, uh, brought this uh, th th this morning. Um, my mom, I, I used to love mountain lions and cougars and big cats and all, 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 those, all those things. And so my mom would embroider. Who here embroiders? Remember embroidery? Mom used to embroider uh, things on my jeans and on my jean jackets and stuff. And apparently at one point she embroidered this mountain lion on, on this purse. And she'd walk it around and I loved it because I love mountain lions and, and, and everything. Um, and then she gave it to my wife, Robin, who loves it because it's so cool. What would my mom think if I tossed this to the ground? If I stepped on this? If I disrespected this? If I abused this? If I thought nothing of, just a quick off the cuff illustration. How insulting, how hurtful, how demeaning, how belittling, how awful would that be if I just discarded this as if it meant nothing? Instead of just simply cherishing it as a hand crafted handmade item of beauty and art 
and creative expression to be celebrated. And I toss it back to my wife. No, I'll just set it here. Over the next couple weeks, friends, we're just going to try to learn how to better honor and love what God has created. Yes, of course, in fellow image bearers, men and women, yes, let us always honor and love and, and, and just treat with dignity and respect and joy the fellow image bearers of our God. But let's simply let that extend to all of his created order, to our mountains, to our oceans, to our rivers and streams and all the land in between. Let's just think deeply, let's think theologically, let's think Christianly about this glorious call to stewardship that we have. Julia, you might want to come back here and get us going because I preached right to my 10.30 hour here. Here's your assignments. Here's your assignments for the next week and really the next month, and you're going to get a couple more. Uh, assignment number one, please read Genesis chapter one. Next week, your assignment is going to be to read Genesis chapter two. Read Genesis chapter one, and don't read it for what it doesn't say. Don't read it for all the questions that it doesn't answer. Don't read it for the science that it doesn't even get into. Read it for the story of a God who loved so much he created. Second assignment then, read Psalm 104. It's actually quite long. I encourage you to go out, get somewhere in God's creation, get somewhere in nature, read Psalm 104, and then expand on it. Meditate upon it and add some of your own verses. It's probably never going to make it into the Bible itself, but that's okay. You can enjoy it. You can celebrate it. You can just reflect upon some of the things you see in the glory of God's creation and give him praise and worship and honor for those things that you see. And then the last thing, and we'll talk more about this, do one green thing this week. I know, apparently it's controversial. Oh, uh, 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 well, <laughs> try and do one green thing this week. Maybe ride your bike instead of drive your car somewhere. See God's creation, get some exercise, get some fresh air. You could actually enjoy it. I enjoy it a great deal. Um, or, or actually, I'll just put it this way. Reflect upon a green thing you can do in the new five R's. Have you heard about the five R's? The five R's. The five R's are to refuse, to reduce, to reuse, to rot, and to recycle. 